You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 11. Welcome to the Give Me Five podcast. I'm Rob, and I'm here with Jimmy. Howdy. And Greg. Hey, guys. Here on the Give Me Five podcast, the three of us discuss things that entertained us this week. This week, Greg magically found Mad Balls. I most certainly did. I want <laughs> them all. We're going to discuss Reynolds Advanced, Gerald's Game, the new Blade Runner movie, the new Mordor game, Shadow of War, and Let's Play 2. Which is a movie about Pearl Jam and also the Cubs. And how they tied in together. Sounds fascinating. It is. It is pretty good. You're anti-music and you're anti-baseball. <laughs> and anti-America. That's right. Exactly. All right, guys. This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. We will do our very best, knowing that Blade Runner just came out, Gerald's Game just got released, and we will, again, try and do our best to skirt around some of the major spoilers for example, if you'd be angry that we told you that if you fell asleep in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, you are probably effed, or you'd be disappointed to learn that Rob was totally that kid that ate paste and stuck crayons in his nose in first grade, then stop now and no, come back No, I later. wasn't. No, I, I it was It was kindergarten. kindergarten. There's no one on this planet that didn't know that Rob was that guy. <laughs> <clears throat> and as usual... If you want to complain about something, talk about something, or chat about something, you can always reach us by searching for the Give Me Five, that's F-I-V-E, podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can look at Give Me Five Pod on Twitter, and you can also email me at Give Me Five, or email us, not just me, at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast listening software you happen to use that's really helpful uh, it helps us crush the competition which we like to do we do like to crush the competition crush. so anything new uh well I've, you you seem to want to hear more about these mad balls so yes there, there they i were was sold out when i went to best Buy. really because they'd been there for like months why are they all of a sudden sold out i haven't seen them because all of us go to different oh. best buys uh, well i've been in like three best buys and they were always there rob you have a problem. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm the best one who bought the Mad Balls. So, I, yeah, you know, I used to love those things when I was a kid. I had, uh, I think I actually still remember his name. I think it was like Oculus Orbis. Mm -hmm. It was the, yeah. the eyeball one. And I also had one of the jumbo size ones that was a uh, football in the shape of a shark kind of missile thing. It was kind of like a throwback to the old World War II and World War I airplanes. And it was awesome. But it was hard as hell. So if you didn't catch that thing right, it hurt like significantly. But there are new Mad Balls. Uh, Jimmy told me about them a couple weeks ago, and I finally saw them. And they're like they're all classic horror villains: the Predator, Alien, Freddy, Leather Jason. Face. Yeah, there's a Leatherface one. It's totally the one I would buy. Uh, they're expensive though. They're like ten bucks each. Ten dollars each. Yeah, I think one was twelve ninety nine. So they're a Best Buy. They're limited edition there. And if you are a huge horror fan like us, you might want to go get those. What about we you, Ron? Well, 
this week is Friday the 13th. So I, excited. I really think we should go to Halloween Horror Nights, but given my luck the last couple of weeks, maybe maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about luck. Uh, did any of us anger a gypsy? Not me. I'm fine. It was Jimmy. You're good? It was totally Jimmy. Because, well, he's the one that's been lucky, but... Maybe I am the gypsy. Oh! Mind? Uh, technically, technically, I am. If you go back in my lineage, I kind of am. Maybe you guys annoyed me. But either way, so the curse backfired? I don't understand. Yeah, so last last week, Rob was the one that was on Painkillers and hurt himself. Last night, I was helping my child decorate for Halloween. We were setting up a little Lego Halloween village, and I was coming down the <laughs> stairs with armfuls of Legos yeah. and with him right behind me, and the stair I was walking down snapped. Like the little end, the, it's called a bullnose, snapped off, throwing me down nice. the stairs. Thankfully, I was at the last step before landing, so I kind of went straight down and landed with my butt on the stairs, and then I fell forward onto the landing part and i'm pretty sure i broke you my broke tailbone your or something butt, didn't you but, yeah i broke my ass is there a so, crack in it now oh yes yes there is you know the the kind however, of ironic thing about that go ahead oh no however um i i know i'm the one on painkillers this evening so we'll Ooh, see how weird i just took it so we'll see how weird things get by the end of the show the uh, irony of that is the last time you did this, uh, and it's happened before, yes, um, the last time you fell down your stairs, I was there, and I was actually holding your child. Oh, I totally thought good. you were going to say you were holding him, <laughs> and I was like, aww. <laughs> no, I actually have a picture of me holding your child uh, that you took before you went up, came down, and fell down the stairs. <laughs> I can picture Jimmy going, just another step back. Just another step back. You're too close. You're too close. Another step back. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> he was downstairs at the time. Yeah, this one wasn't my fault. I'm not, I will, I'm more than happy to take claim for anything stupid that I do. But this time, the stair actually cracked. So, I think the people that put in the wooden stairs, I'm pretty sure they are, they have new owners now. So, I will not be suing anybody anytime soon. But, uh, I will be getting my stair repaired and being way more careful on to where I step on said stairs. Yes. And my ass. And hurts. are we going on Friday? I don't know. We'll see. It we depends shall on how see. your ass feels. It depends on how my ass feels. Yeah, if you, if so we do soon. have Friday the thirteenth coming up, and as we've talked about before, there's so many things happening on Friday the thirteenth this year. Being in October, there are uh, the Friday the thirteenth fan film Never Hike Alone is coming out Friday. There's a new album by the Midnight coming out, new EP. Um, I just can't wait. I'm just going to shut myself in and enjoy it. Uh, Lore will be coming out on yep. Amazon Prime. And also, I believe there's a new single by Scandroid, which is a cover of Thriller in the new retrowave synthwave style. Awesome. Also coming out. So it's it's Friday the 13th in October. I'm sure that everyone had this on their calendar. If they do anything dark, that they were going to pinpoint that date to right. release stuff. Ritual killings? Well, that too. Awesome. We all have our hobbies, Rob. <laughs> And we've talked about wrestling before on this show, and if you come from the same era that um, I did when I used to watch wrestling a lot, you will remember the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, um, who was a, quote, manager who used to hit people with mm -hmm. his megaphone. Mm -hmm. He was involved with such uh, tag teams as the Hart Foundation. I mean, 
He's he's kind of a big deal. I think he's in the the Hall of Fame. But um, I went to Daytona for the first time ever this weekend for an event, and I stayed at a place called the Mayan Inn, which was right on the beach. And it's, I guess, claim to fame is that they have Jimmy Hart's Tiki Bar. Okay. <laughs> and it, it it was weird. It was empty the whole time. They had his old car, I guess, out front, this old rusty dumper. Um, yeah, it was Jimmy, Jimmy Hart's Tiki bar. So that was super interesting. When I was, when I got engaged, uh, my fiance at the time and now wife went to Maggiano's to check out the facility for our wedding. And while we were signing the paperwork, we were up at the bar using that as the table. And I looked to the right of me and in full costume was Jimmy nice. Hart. He was, awesome. In, he was in the white suit. So I signed my, the paperwork and then turned around and got a picture of, it was actually one of the very first ever pictures I took on my iPhone 2, I think it was iPhone 2, um, or iPhone 1, whatever, I don't know what the numbering was, but it was one of the first pictures I got was of my, my wife with her arm around Jimmy Hart, and she had no idea yeah. who he was. Mm. But uh, He did not have the megaphone, though, but he did have the, the white suit and the, every, the I think he had but the mullet as well. you figured he would object Maybe. less to putting his arm around your wife than you putting your arm around him? Is that what it was? <laughs> Pretty much. Maybe it was a Jimmy Hart impersonator. Like no, the they were, only they were, one in the world. No, because it was the last time they did WrestleMania here. So every wrestler on the planet was in Orlando like two times ago now. But it was the first time they did WrestleMania here. Nice. Excellent. And lastly, we've got the last Jedi trailer. Oh, it was exciting. Yeah, it's I, all right. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I think it is. I don't want to talk too much about it because I know there's a lot of people that hid from it. But I think there was a lot of misdirection in that trailer with a lot of close-ups and voiceover, so you don't know who the person's actually talking to or talking about. Or who they're being uh, telekinetically strangled by. Yeah, or being or who they're allying themselves with, but it was really good. I loved the vehicle designs. I think they finally... They, they evolved the vehicles from the, the original trilogy, which I love. And, of course, there were Porgs, the half-puffin, half-seal that make this sound... Stop it. Burn it. That's that's Porgalicious. Is that a Furby? It's a Porg. I don't, what? Do you eat it? it? Why does everyone want to eat those things? It's a seabird. Therefore, it's, they're probably greasy. You're a seabird. It's any bird that so lives it, in cold water or cold so sea is not very, so not very delicious. It's a fish. Fatty. It's a fish. We eat fish. It's, no, it's a Porg. It is... It looks like half puff and half harp seal, and they're adorable. It's a penguin. And they, and... Stop. Can it fly? <clears throat> no, it yes. can't. I think that they can. Well, the fish, tickets are on sale now. A small, flat-muzzled avian that flock around the rocks and roost in the cliffs on Luke Skywalker's secluded island. Porgs are inquisitive creatures. So it says they flock and they are avians. I'm assuming they fly. I mean, one of them does. It does. It's in the Millennium Falcon. So that one's flying. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. So, if you want to see the Star Wars trailer, of course, you can uh, look it up on YouTube or on pretty much any geek website that you can find. Uh, I don't even know why they need to make trailers for that movie, honestly. Like, you know you're going to see it. Why waste the money? But if there's someone out there that didn't know that movie was coming out, they, they're aggressively not trying to know about that movie. <clears throat> Fair enough. So, how about we get into our first topic? Yeah, I think so. Um... 
this is all you, Jimmy. I think uh, I want to hear what you have to say about it. We were both there, so. We were. On Friday, as we uh, said that we were, last Friday, Greg and myself went to a seminar, a live casting seminar, at the Orlando location for Reynolds Advanced Materials. And Reynolds Advanced Materials are a distributor of smooth-on products, which are uh, silicone casting and molding products. Um, they also distribute resins, um, things that really once exposed to air and mixed will form the base of you know any kind of hard plastic that you, you pour it into uh, for a mold. And we were also treated to a life-casting session. You know, what I mean by that is... It totally sounds like a self-help kind of thing. <laughs> well, you guys are wondering why we're talking about plastics and liquids and all that stuff. This is the type of stuff they use to make decorations for Disney, that they yep. use to make costumes, special effects, makeup, uh, wounds, uh, uh, even you know castings for medical training. Uh, yep. There's stuff that feels like skin. There's stuff... So, And these are the guys who are the biggest distributors of these products in the in the world, probably, but... There's a pretty good chance that if you've ever seen a, a movie with special effects and practical effects, that they were probably made out of these products. That's so, why we're actually discussing it. Yeah, like Greg said, uh, they're they're pretty huge. Uh, they have locations in Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Detroit, L.A., Orlando here, of course, in Phoenix. Their location in Allentown, Pennsylvania is actually their largest, and it is where the smooth-on products are manufactured. Um I'd, I'd love to get up there one day because they offer, you know, full on like two day seminars where you're assigned uh, a life casting artist, um, you know, just super cool products. Uh, they have a really, really cool store at their facility. And to um, touch back on the life casting, uh, this, the poor guy, he was um, uh, Pablo. Oh, Pablo. It, he he works there at the facility, and this was his first time being a model, I guess you could see. And you see those old videos, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we, we all, we've all seen uh, videos or pictures of people getting plaster casts done at their face where they stick the um, straws out of your nose, and you, they have to sit there forever and let that dry. Well, this guy was pretty much sensory deprived for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Well, they, in front of a room of 20 people. Yeah. Uh, he was a trooper, though. I mean, I think I could do it, uh, and I'd really love to. And the only drawback to some of these materials is that they are a little more expensive. Um, so it would be an expensive hobby. Uh, yeah, as an the, artist, I was thinking about making like a rubber or kind of foam machete for a costume that I need for a work project that we're working on. <laughs> And I was like, I'm like, I can either buy a plastic machete or maybe I'll make one. I need a machete for work. And then, I, wait, what? <laughs> my job is cool. What am I saying? It is. So I needed this like foam machete and I was like, okay, you know, I want to kind of make it. The guy that worked there was like, well, is there one that you can find online? I'm like, well, you know, I could probably just cast a regular machete and then turn it into foam. And he's like, he's like, okay, because something about this length, you need about two gallons of material. So that's about $200 right there. And I'm like, I'll go on Amazon. <laughs> I will buy myself a foam machete. Now, if you are into practical effects and special effects makeup, um, what I really want to do is create a cast of my head 
and then what you can do with that if you fill that with a oh uh, i can think of several things to do with it <laughs> you can um pour materials in there like gypsum um other kind of resins to create a cast of yourself that you can build clay you know apparatus on top of and you can cast those as well so you can create reusable molds with the uh, silicon that naturally conform to you know the contours of your face so i'm really interested in it the products are so much more durable than liquid latex although that is much cheaper uh these products last there's like a shelf life uh, not shelf life but yeah shelf life of like 30 years for these molds that you can make mm-hmm. pretty impressive stuff you can check out reynoldsam.com for locations, products, uh, YouTube videos, how-tos, and all that good stuff. Yeah, they had these two masks there. One was like a this kind of like half-scaly dragon man, but also kind of like a White Walker, which was absolutely incredibly beautiful. Beyond it impressive. Was, yeah, each individual scale was done. It had color variation, things like that. And then they had this rock man, which I would I both kept... Jimmy, I kept going back to that thing. Yeah, it looked like it was an actual rock person. It was just a mask, but, like, you could... I was holding it in my hands, and I was like, how is this not rock? It looked like it was slate. You could actually see the levels of the layers on the slate. You could see the the shadows and the cracks and stuff like that, and it was just a rubberized mask. It was so cool. And and I have to admit, I'm really really disappointed I was not able to attend um, because that was something I was looking forward to, and I really wanted to check it out. The seminar that we went to was $75, and we got a starter kit for casting, which it's kind of like a bucket. You mix the water, and you can stick your hand in there. Um, I think it was totally worth it. It was a full-day seminar. Uh, They fed us. They had uh, firehouse subs. They had refreshments in the morning. I mean, it was absolutely worth it. So be on the lookout for that, and you know, we'll keep checking back. For a chemical company where everyone is in a warehouse and stuff like that. Every single person there was helpful. And it, there wasn't, like, you could ask a stupid question and they weren't, like, looking at you like you were an idiot. Nice. They were very helpful. Every single, like, you wanted to buy stuff from them afterwards. Nice. That's awesome. They were just, they were very knowledgeable people. Moving on. Well, last week, the Let's Play 2 documentary came out with Pearl Jam and the Cubs about a concert that was played at Wrigley Field. Actually, two concerts played at Wrigley Field right around the same time that the Cubs were fighting for a position in the World Series. Uh, and because it's a Pearl Jam concert, you knew I had to talk about it. Of course. Yeah. Uh, of course. It's kind of my thing. Uh, but on the other hand, I absolutely de- detest the Cubs, and they know what they did, uh, sliding into the Pirates' second baseman and tearing up his knee, causing him to never be the same again. But that's neither here nor there. Was that like in 1984 or something? No, it was like three years ago, two years ago. Um, Okay, so the documentary, it was shot by Danny Cinch. He used to do some of their videos. And it did Chronicle Pearl Jam. It was supposed to be just a concert video of them playing two, as people say, legendary shows at Wrigley Field. I'm not entirely sure that's the case. But the reason why they did it was because Eddie Vedder grew up in Chicago. And when he was a little kid, like usual, the Cubs were terrible. Because they were terrible for most of the hundred and something years that they hadn't won anything. And he used to go to the Wrigley Field and play in the bleachers and he would play hide-and-seek because there was no one there, that kind of thing. Uh, he would hang out at this one place called Murphy's, 
which became Murphy's Bleachers, which is a thing that they do in Chicago. And this is all when he was little. Well, then he went off and, of course, became the lead singer of, of one of the largest rock bands on the planet. Mookie Blaylock. Yes, Mookie Blaylock. And when they, when they came back to do this show, it just happened to be when Eddie's favorite team, the Cubs, were finally going to get in the World Series and with a team that was expected to win it. So it's a really cool documentary. They intersperse footage of the, the baseball with live footage with vintage footage of Pearl Jam playing at a small club called the Metro, which was about seven minutes or so away from Wrigley Field before they even had hit it big. And I thought that was really cool because they opened up for Soul Asylum before Soul Asylum had hit it big. And they say that they got $250 for that show. And then they, of course, cut to these them playing Wrigley Field, playing out to these giant bleachers filled with people and a field filled with people. Uh, the music was really good. The the audio, like the the vocals and everything, were really strong. So I know they pulled it from the board because they always do, but uh, I've seen them live a lot. I've heard the, a lot of their live stuff, and these were really crisp. Uh, you've got you know all of the the regular Pearl Jam staples um, songs that everyone will know except for Rob, such as Jeremy. <laughs> do Do you know the song Jeremy? I do. Okay, Given to Fly. No. Black. No. Better Man? Nope. Alive? Mm, yes. Probably not. Maybe. You'd know it if you heard it. And uh, November November Rain? I know that one. That's not Pearl Jam. I know. Okay. Uh, actually, they used Alive in a great way, because if you remember the, the World Series, it, this is definitely not a spoiler, because it happened, and you all know this. Uh, the Cubs were down uh, three games to one, and they came yeah, back. Yeah, it wasn't looking good. Yeah, and they came back against the Cleveland Indians, and that's like right when they happen to play live in the in the movie. I'm sure it's not exactly lined up with the concert because none of the stuff, the game had not actually happened yet. But they did that. But they also um, did some really cool stuff because there's um, a Pearl Jam song or an Eddie Vedder song about the Cubs called All the Way. And it was written for Ernie Banks because, you know, Eddie had talked to Ernie Banks because he's a big Cubs fan. So they played that song. They played a, a, just a bunch of, of songs that are considered B-sides or not as popular songs. And the, this, the movie actually even made me cry. And I try to be just the guy that's not the sensitive one on the show. I just basically make jokes about Rob being weird. He's totally and the sensitive one, by the way. I, I, not really. But they, there is a part where they keep on following this guy. And he's sitting outside of the stadium four days before the show on, like, a lawn chair. And they keep on going back to him and asking, you know, why are you trying to get in the front row? Why are you out here? Why, you know, this kind of stuff. That was you, wasn't it? It was not. I'm. I do a lot of stupid crap for music, but I'm. I'm way too agitated to wait in lines to to be there and to be any place early for that matter. But this is true. Yeah. So they they ask him what his favorite moment was, and he says that when when Pearl Jam played at Joe Louis Arena, which is in Detroit, I think uh, they played Release, and it was right after his father had died, and that song has a lot of dad related lyrics, and. On stage, I guess Eddie Vedder had heard about this, and he actually calls the guy out. He's like, "There's someone here. I think his name was John. He's like, "There's someone here. Uh, we heard that he came here two days early so he could be in the front row, and that there was a song that was really important to him, that kind of thing." And he actually holds up his hand. And he's, and he's like, "Oh wow, four days. Okay, so he came four days. He had some stuff going on, and we want to dedicate this song to him." And and it was definitely there. Were, there were it got really misty in that room. I think my allergies started acting up, and there was there there was a little bit of tears. There was some dust flying around. Yeah, there was a little bit of dust. People eating onions like apples. Exactly. There was one other, yeah, one other, speaking of that, I'll just drop this too. I'm um, Sought at the Ends again. Awesome place. 
uh, did not feel like eating anything heavy, so I, I opted for the hummus platter, and it came with chips, and I was like, hey, can I get half chips, half carrots? And they brought me a hummus platter with more, it was basically stacked all the way up with carrots. Uh, more carrots than an entire freaking... <laughs> they were like, somebody wants the carrots, give them all of them! <laughs> yeah, like, it was... Like, if you see a big basket of chips, that's really not that much, because they're all weird-shaped and whatever. No, this was uh, at least, uh, like, two vegetable trays full of carrots on this thing. <laughs> and, no, and no chips. But, of course, that showed up, and when I realized it, the movie had started, so they, they don't really bring food during the movie, because they don't want to disturb anybody. So I'm sitting there, like, with this giant thing of hummus and, like, trying to figure out exactly what to do with 4,000 carrots. Um, so I, I ate a lot of carrots. Just saying. Uh, did Maybe it that help your when I felt a no, that's actually a myth. That is That's a not myth. a real thing. Yeah, that was the um, British propaganda trying to hide the fact that they had actually cracked Germany's uh, codes by saying that the pilots are so good that it's because they eat a lot of carrots instead of the fact that they actually knew where all of the German installations were. So. And that's your history lesson for the day. It is. Still fooling Rob. 100 and, or not 100 years later. 80 years later? Uh, well, not quite. I do know it's possible to get toxicity from carrots, though. Oh, good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die the Steve Jobs way. Too soon. Too soon? <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, give me two. There is a... The movie was playing limited run. It's, of course, going to end up being a Blu-ray, and there is a soundtrack that you can listen to anywhere you listen to music, or, of course, you can purchase it. Highly suggest it if you are a Pearl Jam fan or a Cubs fan, and if those two things intersect, then you definitely are going to want it. And when you're editing this later, you're going to realize that you said give me two instead of let's play two. I did. You're welcome. Let's play two. Buy it. Sounds good. So, Rob, why don't you tell us more about this Mordor game? Oh, um. What? It? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sequel to the uh, Middle Earth uh, Shadows of Mordor. Um, game of the year. Yeah, it was it was a great game. I really really enjoyed it, and I know that Greg played that one too. And um, I, I'm pretty sure one of my enjoyed, favorite games of all time. Yeah, that he pretty much enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, it's it's got a very Assassin's Creed feel to it, with a, a probably like an Assassin's Creed slash Batman, uh, the Batman games type of feel to it. The Arkham the Arkham game. Yeah, that's the engine that they Love use. Love the fighting those games. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really well done, and it's got a it's got a um, Lord of the Rings like skin over it. So, the premise is that you're Talion, who is a ranger of the Black Gate. Um, the Black Gate and all of Talion's family were obliterated in the original game, and he was seeking revenge. In um, this one, I haven't gotten too far into it because the game was actually just released yesterday, um, and I've only gotten to play like an hour or so of it. Yeah, and I pre-ordered it, but mine didn't show up yet. Apparently it's on its way tomorrow. It is a beautiful game. They've added some new stuff in, which I haven't had the opportunity to completely explore yet. Um, but it sounds like you can you can actually set up like an army of followers to follow you, as opposed to um, in the first game you could you could like subjugate some of these some of the orcs and you could activate them at certain points, but then that was it. It sounds like you can have your own kind of like standing army in this game, which will be interesting. That sounds cool. Um, yeah, and they've they've beefed up the the captains a little bit because I don't know if you remember, Greg. Uh, when I did my playthrough, you probably don't remember my playthrough, but it probably happened in some of yours too. Well, you were sort of living with me at the time that you got the game because it was when you first moved to Orlando. Uh, true, true. 
But um, a lot. I did of watch my, you play on my couch. A lot of my captains ended up being vulnerable to the style of play that I always played. And and granted, Greg, you played a different style than I did because I did a lot more of the um, stealth and assassination and stuff like that, whereas you were the charge in headlong and and kill everybody. Uh, Leroy Jenkins style yeah. is that the? Yeah, th- th- I believe that would be the appropriate term, the Leroy Jenkins style. Um, I was a little bit more calculating and analytical, and I relied a lot more on stealth. And a lot of the guys that I ended up having to take out or or subjugate, if you will, were vulnerable to stealth. And it seems like they've kind of gotten away from that because I could actually kill a captain in one shot. Now it seems like the, it a lot of them will be hurt by it. So it's going to be a little bit more challenging for me this time around. Um, and they've also added some new um, some new features into the game. There's new there's new runes, um, there's new abilities and a new tree. You can actually give followers the ability to like ride caragors and stuff. Caragors are like uh, these uh, giant wolf sized things. Think battle cat from He Man, basically. Yeah, yeah essentially. Um, so it, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I've played, like I said, I've only played like an hour or two of it so far, but it's it's. It's kind of like I remember, and I'm I'm starting to get into it, and I really like it. Yeah, there's two things about the original game that I liked. Um, one of which was when you you could get intel from various other orcs about yeah. these captains, and they still have that. And it would give you it would give you little hints, like oh, this one is scared of Caragors, so you know that you could defeat them easier with the Caragors, which is you know, releasing them from a cage. Or this one hates fire, so you know that if you blew them up, it would make it easier to to kill them. Right. Some of them would say like is impervious to arrows. And you try to shoot it with an arrow, and it, you know, it lets you know. Yeah, that was one part I really liked. And the Nemesis system was was so cool and innovative, and it was probably the best part of the game. It's it's really neat because a lot of times, like if you didn't if you didn't like decapitate the orc when you killed them, they would come back with with like metal patches over the areas that you had like stabbed them, or like if you if you didn't cut their head off, but you like hit them on the head, or you assassinated them. Um, they would come back with like plates on their face or they would come back you know with uh plates on their chest like like you had killed them there it was it was really neat and they they got stronger they when they came back yeah yeah and they would hold a grudge and they would always seem to show up at the wrong time like you'd be heading into one mission and you're just about to finish it and all of a sudden you run into this like war party and it'll be someone that you had defeated earlier in the game who was pissed at you specifically yes and you had to, of course take them out or subjugate them and there was kind of like this chain where you had to like dominate that's what it's called you had to dominate them yeah dominate them all the way up until you got to like the war the war gods and it was just a fun game i would actually when i was in a bad mood or when something was going on i would just get home and just go out and see how many orcs i could kill and it still is entertaining as it was to go out and just kill the orcs yeah and the sound editing on that game was really good too because like once you hear some of that whispery lord of the rings i don't know what it's called like mithril talk i'm not sure what the various words are Mm-hmm. it like brought you right back to the movies because it yeah it was like kind of elvish talk it brought you right back to the movies even though it's very loosely based on the movies and has really nothing to do with them other than the fact that it came from the same property just the sounds brought you right there and i'm really i'm i don't get super excited about video games in fact i didn't even actually buy that one you just were staying with me when you had it and then you let me borrow it for a couple months maybe you let me borrow it for a couple days and i just didn't give it back for a couple months <laughs> <laughs> but uh and it was one of the games that as soon as I heard they were making a sequel, I'm like, okay, that one's that one's one of the ones to purchase, not just borrow from Rob for a really long time. Yeah, and and it's 
they've got so much detail in the game. The game is gorgeous, by the way. The game is still really pretty. Um, and one of the things that I like about the game is it, like, you can you can hear the orcs talking. Like, like I play with a headset occasionally, and like you, it, it's all directional. Like you can you can hear something like in 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 your right ear, and you can turn your character to the right, and you know you'll be able to find the guys that are talking. Um, but they have like conversations between them, and it's not it's not necessarily the same conversation every time. I mean, they all kind of complain about the same thing, but they must have recorded like hundreds of conversations for this game. It's it's really well done, and I'll let you know more as I get further into it. And I'm sure that Greg will bring it up once or twice once he gets once he gets his copy. Yeah, of it should it. be here tomorrow. Hopefully, that's the case. Nice. Uh, awesome. From this game, from this game to a completely. Completely different kind of game. Completely different kind of Jimmy, game. Jimmy, let's talk about Gerald's Game. Um, all right. So Gerald's Game is a Netflix-released movie. It came out on September 29th. Um, this one really kind of uh, caught my attention because of the fact that it is an adaptation of a Stephen King novel with the same name. And I've been really enjoying this kind of resurgence of... Uh, Stephen King's works in, you know, popular culture. Um, I really enjoyed The Dark Tower. We've talked about that. Really enjoyed it. And this, in addition to 1922, which is coming out on October later in the month, um, I was really excited about what? October later in the month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the movie star, it's directed by Mike Flanagan. And it stars Bruce Greenwood, who, if you're not familiar with his name, you've probably seen him. He was in Mad Men. He was the president of the United States in the movie uh, The Kingsman, uh, Golden Circle. Oh, he was Captain Pike. And yeah, he was also okay. Captain Pike from Star Trek. And it also stars, really, I mean, it stars two people. Um, the other subject, actress, is... Probably. Carly Gugino, who I absolutely love. Yeah. Yes. She's good. Who I first I first noticed her in Sin City, and then she was Sally Jupiter in Watchmen. Um, she's been in Night at the Museum. Uh, most recently, well, not most recently, but she was a character in, in Entourage, and she was in something very recently that, that when I saw her, I was like, oh, yeah, like I always kind of forget. And she's a, an amazing actress. Yeah. And... For this type of movie, both of those people have to carry the movie because it is yeah. pretty much in one. It is one room. Yep. And not a lot of motion. <laughs> and I mean, it it was mostly her. Um, the story follows a, a couple whose relationship is on the rocks um, and they, you know, in an attempt to spice things up, they retreat go on holiday, go on vacation to this isolated house um, on the coast, you know, in an it's effort. Like a, it's like a lake house, which actually plays into part of the story. Yes. We won't get too deep into it. No, we won't. <laughs> um, I thought the movie was really well done. Um, it did touch on some pretty as greg has written in the show notes some very keen observations about life and i think you nailed it so why don't you talk about some of those okay so yeah the rest of the kind of opening we won't tell too much about the plot but basically this couple goes to this lake house the husband 
decides that he's going to spice up their sex life. He handcuffs her to a bed. She has some flashbacks to some unsavory things from her past, kind of freaks out about it. When they're arguing about whether or not to continue, the husband clutches his chest, has a heart attack, falls off the bed, hits his head on the floor, and dies. So now she is trapped in the middle. This is all in the first 10 minutes, so it's really not spoilerific. It's in the It's in the, it's description. In the trailer as well. So she's now trapped on a bed in the middle of nowhere. No one can hear her. She can't really reach her phone. She can't really reach anything. And... You know, that's where that being con- kind of constrained to one room comes in. And there are a lot of things that happen around her that she sees. And the way they filmed it, the way they edit- edited it, the way they did all of that stuff was ingenious. And I, I was hesitant to watch the movie partially because of some things I'd heard about it, partially because I was scared I was going to fall asleep on it because it's kind of in one set. And I'm like, do I really want to watch that type of thriller right now? Mm-hmm. And... I was really glad I watched it. The performances were great. The the scares were great. The the ending was fantastic, which, again, we won't go too deep into that. But the things about the the life stuff... You know, I always liked horror movies for the effects and for the scares. And I will give a shout-out to my former roommate, Tara, who introduced me because she had had a minor, I believe, in film. And she introduced me to the idea of what a lot of the horror directors and writers are actually talking about and mm. how almost every horror movie is really a subtext of something else so for example you know night of the living dead had a i believe was a little bit about communism and the communist threat as was the as was the thing um dawn of the dead was about uh, uh the not shopification what word Con- uh, consumerism just rampant consumerism you know <laughs> zombies walking around them all shopification 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 that's what we're I gonna is, call it i is smart but anyway, so this one, I, I thought the writing of this was really good. And there was a part where it, it's uh, in her mind, but some, where they're talking about how, why is this woman talking to this body on the floor? She knows the way he breathes because she's been sleeping next to him every night. And she knows the little tiny snore that he makes that it's like, it's just something that occurred to me that like the the people that wrote this movie looked at it from every angle. And the conversations between the couples and the things that she was seeing and how they related to her life and to her past really opened my eyes up to just how good this adaptation was. And apparently the adaptation is better than the book from what I've heard. Hmm. I thought so many aspects of isolation and just an extremely, um, I guess, traumatic event that one could witness um it it really kind of dived deep into uh phobias um anxiety the the fear of approaching darkness um absolutely pushing the limits and you know things that live in the shadows as well as uh the need or not you know the preservation of life and and survival um it's it's pretty deep it's it is definitely a psychological thriller very graphic okay if you are concerned about about graphic stuff and there are reports if you if you google the name of the movie um i just we always kind of do a little bit of research and there were a couple articles of people passing out from a certain part certain very graphic part i skipped past that part it was impressive really you skipped past it yeah 
I have a thing for it. We'll we'll talk off the air. Yeah, about that. Um, there were some references as we talked about the you know Stephen King multiverse. Um, there was a shout out you could say where Gerald, the male lead in the story, um, at some point says all things serve the beam, which is a reference to the Stephen King multiverse. And there was also a Cujo reference. Yeah. There's a dog. There's like a wild dog that plays a big part in the movie. And someone's like, get out of here, Cujo. Or what about Cujo over here? Yeah. You know, so there's a reference to a bag of bones, which is another Stephen King novel. Um, there's also an image of a woman standing over a well during an eclipse. And there is a movie called, or a book and a movie called Dolores Claiborne that is about a woman standing over a well during Eclipse, also Stephen King. So there's definitely a lot of references. Clearly, the guy that wrote the film and adapted it is a big Stephen King fan. Clearly. Nice. So check it out. It's on Netflix, Gerald's Game. Let us know what you think. It'll be there forever. Yes. And ever, and ever, and ever. So moving on to our last topic, Greg, why don't you... uh... Tell us, because you and I both have, like Gerald's Game, both you and I have seen this movie. Rob has not. So we will dance around spoilers for this one as well. Yeah, being bedridden and on painkillers has really made it made Rob way less fun. I'm sorry. It yeah. happens. Cut it out, Rob. Okay, so the other night I used my movie pass yet again, and it still feels like I'm stealing something. I'm still <laughs> convinced that the... I'm still convinced when I walk up there that the manager is going to call the... the cop over and be like uh, this guy is trying to use this card thing but this time it was actually the manager at the ticket booth and he just scanned me through so i've now seen two movies for i'm still on my my free month period or my free 17 day period and i've now seen two movies so it, well it definitely paid for itself but when it becomes 9.99 i'm gonna stick around with it <sighs> so when i went the other night to see blade runner it was very interesting i think i went on sunday night and there was about 20 people in the theater and of those 20 people, I believe 17 of us were all single guys scattered around the theater, just alone. <laughs> and there was like one group above me. So, you know, we went, I went and I got to see Blade Runner 2049. Nice. And I really, I really enjoyed it. The, the first one, I remember seeing that movie a bunch of times. And I always liked the first half. Kind of got lost the second half. But I would still watch it over and over again just because of the way it looked. Same. And I recently watched it about a month ago, maybe two months ago. I think it was before it left Amazon Prime or Netflix. So it was a couple months ago. And still found myself drifting towards the second part. But again, realizing that it was saying more than just sci-fi explosions and action and stuff like that. And this movie was exactly the same. Yeah. Um, this movie was it, – it technically flopped. On the opening weekend. Um, although I think over time it will make its budget back and then some. Uh, on its opening weekend it made $31.5 million And it was its budget was $150 million. Now, I also really enjoyed the movie. And while there were parts that were slower, I mean it's going to happen with any movie. Um, it was so pretty that I stayed engaged. Um, the parts where maybe the story lost me a little bit, the visuals drew me in they and kept me there. Yeah. Um, they held if, on cer- certain shots a lot 
to where you you got pulled into him because you're like, okay, what am I supposed to be looking at here? Mm-hmm. And like, ooh, and it was stark and beautiful and well done, and it wasn't just graphics for graphics sake or CG for CG sake. Yeah, and, I, it, and go I ahead. think you're right about it going to have a lasting appeal because everyone. I mean, we've talked to a bunch of our coworkers about it, and these are people that are filmmakers. These are people that have worked on Hollywood films. These are worked on television things like that and everyone loves it everyone's like oh i gotta see it again we enjoyed it we've been we even talked to a student who is one of our better students and he really enjoyed it so it wasn't so it definitely for the people that went out to see it they they took a lot out of it which i like to hear nice yes um if if you're if you don't live under a rock you will know that uh the movie stars ryan gosling uh harrison ford robin wright Actually, from oh. The Princess Bride. I love that Robert we've talked Wright. about before. She's fantastic. She's and badass. She was also in uh, Wonder Woman. And actually, I just found out recently that Princess Bride is going to be in theaters October 15th and 18th this month for its 30th anniversary. With a new wow. opening uh, interview with the uh, director. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, it's also got Jared Leto, who wasn't the first choice to play his character. Uh, that first choice was actually David Bowie. Oh, so, I would have loved to see that. Mm-hmm. Even though I like Jared Leto, but David Bowie would have taken it to a different level. That one hurts. Uh, the movie was directed by Denis Villeneuve, and he has also directed Arrival and Sicario. So he's a very big-thinking director with, I, I think, a focus on the visuals. Um, I I really thought that any number of shots in that movie could have made for a, a fine art print. And it was just a beautiful movie. Yeah, the pacing of this movie is very similar to the pacing of The Arrival, where there are certain things you really want to see, and then they'll show, like, this... In The Arrival, they show, like, that long elevator shot or things like that. And there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie, where they don't reveal things till a few beats longer than you would expect them to reveal them. Nice. It's a long movie. It's two hours and 43 minutes. Wait for it. Yeah. There's a lot of that, but it's the payoff is worth it. I mean, absolutely worth it. There's not a lot of humor in this movie. That is true. <laughs> not a lot at all. <laughs> um, I really thought that the uh, the futuristic landscape in 2049 of Los Angeles it was really reminiscent of a James Cameron film called Aliens, um, the surface of LV-426 or Hadley's Hope, where the movie takes place. Uh, very dark, rainy, dreary, sad kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, there now, I'm gonna make this recommendation. Um, you don't need to see the 1982 version of Blade Runner to enjoy this movie. I don't think so. What you should do, though, there are three short films that came out before the movie, and. It really, really, really does fill in the gaps, fills in that timeline. Um, I watched all three of them recently. Uh, I watched the most recent one that was released before the movie just tonight. And that was, that's called Blackout 2022. Um, That's directed by Cowboy Bebop director Shinichiro Watanabe. Watanabe. Watanabe, I'm sorry. I like that we're making Jimmy say all of the hard names tonight. <laughs> Shinichiro Watanabe. And that takes place three years after 
1982 version of Blade is it Runner. Live a- is that one live action? Or that is, is it- not. That is anime. anime. Okay. So take okay. it for what it is. Gleam what you can from the story. Uh, the next one is called Nexus Dawn, and that takes place in 2036. And then there is the last one called Nowhere to Run, and that takes place one year before 2049. So watch those, check out the movie, and please let us know what you think. I will have to check that out. You yeah, there's the, the one thing I would suggest. Uh, when I went to see that movie, there it was loud. That movie, the audio very loud. was recorded very hot, and it was loud to quiet, loud to quiet, loud to quiet. There's an extended part where they give the impression that there's one of their flying cars kind of coming into an area, and it's kind of coming towards you, so it's getting louder and louder and louder. And I literally had to, like, block my ears. Um, I'm very careful. I Obviously, you've heard me say it. I go to a lot of concerts, so I'm very careful about ear protection. And I really was considering running out to my car and getting earplugs. He uses protection, ladies. I, I do. At Halloween Horror Nights, specifically, as well. But um, I, I wear earplugs to anything that I think is going to be loud, because I'm just I'm terrified, considering that I need to be able to hear for my job, the graphic design portion of my job. And uh, this movie, like, I was I had to I was plugging my ears anytime there was an action scene. So that might have been just the theater that I saw it in, or it might have been recorded that hot because you said it was pretty loud too, right? In the very beginning, it was whoa. So if that is something that, that bothers you, you know, you can, if you get those, this is a weird aside, but if you get those flanged earplugs, the ones that have like the three little like kind of mushroom cap type things on them, those will not, those cut out decibel values, but they don't cut out frequency. So it'll still sound exactly the same, just quieter. So Science. Yes. Yeah. I'm teaching you history and science. What are you, Thank guys, you, Greg. What are you guys doing Boom. for our listeners? Yeah. And I'm on painkillers. You're not nearly as funny as I was. They, they don't really do much for me. <laughs> I've, n- I've never had a problem with painkillers getting... I'm, I'm loopy as it is. Painkillers kind of just even me out. There you go. Oh, yes, you are. I want to talk about R5. I want to ask a question. We talked about a video game, and we didn't talk that much about horror. So, gentle folk, you already yes. know the question, but what do you guys think is the best horror video game? Horror video games you've played in your life yeah it's that, that's gonna be that's gonna be a difficult one for me um one I, I i've got my five but one partly due to the fact that a lot of the a lot of the horror genre ended up being the style of game that i can't play like there's a there's a lot of first person horror games um so i of course have not played any of those but, I mean, I can go ahead and go first if you guys don't mind. Fine. If you must. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to start off with one that I've actually mentioned before. Um, and it was it was one of the first games that I can remember that that actually gave me that feeling of foreboding and that, that sense of dread as you were playing the game. And that was Friday the 13th. Um, and I know that we've talked about it on this on the show before. They, I thought they just did a great job, and anytime Jason showed up, it was like, "Oh my God, run! Let's go! Get out of here! No, get away! Get away!" So yeah, that was an awful feeling. Yeah, yeah, because you you couldn't beat him. <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, "I this is a game that gave me a sense of foreboding." It was uh, Kirby. <laughs> yeah, 
Kirby's All-Star Adventure. How what? can he swallow so much? I don't understand. Um, I'm glad he said that and not me. <laughs> if, either of us, if either of us said that, he would have said something ridiculous. I, I probably would have. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Move um, on. So for my next one, uh, I, I got to say that I think it's probably a toss-up between this and another one on my list that really kind of kick-started the whole, the whole horror genre as a viable video game thing. Um, and that was Silent Hill. I do remember when Silent Hill was released. It had a really, really creepy feeling to it. The um, the faceless nurses, I still remember. I mean, it was it was just it, it was just a really, really creepy game. And the the atmosphere that they developed for the game, because the entire game was like, you know, it was either dark rooms and stuff, or it was that a lot of fog, yeah, fog. That, that fog blizzard thing that they had going on. <laughs> fog blizzard yeah so that was that was probably my number two um and the one that would compete with it would be of course the original resident evil game mm-hmm. um th- those two were really kind of groundbreaking as far as i mean as far as i know as far as the horror genre was concerned those were the two the two original titles that really kind of launched the horror genre at least as far as i remember um another one that i played it's actually probably the newest game on my list is a game called Bloodborne. That game could kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, and see, and and the problem is, is that game in particular, it it had a really really neat look to it, kind of like horror meets steampunk, um, kind of gothic style. And the game had a really neat look to it, and it was it probably would have been much more creepy for me had it not been so effing hard. I mean that game was so ridiculously hard, and and, and it's I, I get that it's like the 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 Dark Souls thing because it's one of the Dark Souls uh, properties, and you know those games just are inherently hard. Yeah, that's that's one of the things for the people that don't play video games. Dark Souls is well known for just it's difficult, difficult, difficult. Yeah, and if you try to say anything about that, or you read anyone that says anything about that on any sort of message board or whatever. You're, People are like, well, what did you expect? If you want everything just handed to you, you should just buy the play Mario Brothers, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's that classic gamer response: get good, bro. You know, it's it's like, like yeah, you know what? I've got a career. Yeah, I, I have fifteen minutes to play a game a night, and I want to enjoy what I see, and not not want to throw my controller through the screen. Yeah, not have to start over and do the same fifteen minutes over and over again just to farm stuff. Yeah, but it was a beautiful game. Yes, it, it really was a beautiful game, and. The the way that I ended up going because the game was so hard I had to over level, but I spent so much time over leveling that I lost interest in the game. So I never actually really completed it. Um, but for my last one, what was nice is you came over and over leveled for me as well. I did, I did. So I probably helped you, you know, run in. I probably helped you uh, lose interest in that game. Very possible. Anyway, go on. Um, but for my last one, I'm gonna go with a uh, with an arcade hit. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the original House of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Of course. I pumped so much money into that game. <laughs> As did I. It's, yeah. And for those who don't know, House of the Dead was an arcade shooter. So you basically had these, um, I, I believe they were handguns. They, they might have been submachine guns at one point. I think they were the hand, the handguns. With oh, the, no, the, no, no, no. Um, they were the pump action shotguns. That's why I loved it so much. That's what it was. 
House of, oh, yeah. House of the Dead had the had the pump action shotguns. It was so much fun, but after a while they were the guns were like always broken. You could never get the the pump action to work. But um it was it was a lot of fun, very enjoyable. Um and you know what? I might actually be thinking of House of the Dead 2. That was the one with the pump action shotguns. But House of the Dead 1 had the the guns that had the like the kind of trapezoidal shaped yeah. barrel at the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was House of the Dead 2 that had the shotguns. Um but anyway, both both titles were great and I mean the the concept was was you were you were coming into this house and it was full of zombies and you had to blow the zombies away before they got you. Yeah. And some of them would throw axes at you and you had to shoot the axes. Right. And I never got far enough to actually figure out what the actual plot of the game was, but you know, it was fun shooting zombies. I beat that game. Oh, did in you? In the arcade. Yes, it was not inexpensive. <laughs> yes, I did not put that much money into it, but I did pump and a lot in. Don Carter's Lanes in Boca Raton, Florida. Nice. So those are my five. Jimmy, how about you? This was pretty easy for me, not going to lie. I, uh, I've i played a lot of horror-themed games, so I'll just get right through it. I, number one, just House of the Dead. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I feel like I, someone's I, talked about that game before. I put a lot of money into that. You know, you covered it. Um, it was it was so much fun. You remember breaks in between levels, you know, kind of hanging the, the gun down in one hand and stretching out, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, you'd tense up through, uh, through different chapters of the game. Um, Fatal Frame was another one. Um, I actually did not play Fatal Frame. I watched my roommate play. Oh, okay. And in Fatal Frame, you walked around with a camera, hence the name, and you took pictures, and all kinds of fun uh, ghouls and ghosts would pop up when you would take the photos, and it it really built a sense of dread. Um, there were jump scares. I mean, there was something gonna happen around every corner, and it was dark. So, definitely played that one at night with the lights off. Well, watched. Um, number three, I'm gonna go with. It wasn't a scary game. But it did revolve around vampirism. Um, that was Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. And God, that game came out in, like, I don't know, 97 or something for PlayStation. And it was just so much fun. It had a, a whole new system of uh, not so much fighting, but it had a glyph system that you uh, could evolve and... Um, Really stands out as as one of the most fun games I've I've ever played because you had to eat people's souls, um, <laughs> which is always fun, um, or their life force I should say. Dead Space. I'll just let that one sink in for a second. Ah, uh, Dead Space. Dead Space is a and I I guess it's the closest thing in video game form to Event Horizon. Uh, you're on a derelict spaceship. You're a survivor you play an engineer character so throughout the game you and it always kind of intimidates me when there's crafting involved in a game because i don't want to get it wrong i don't want to waste materials yeah. especially in a survival horror type game i don't want to build a freaking accidentally build like a rubber band launcher you know when i need a grenade launcher to kill zombies um but i found That's it very what happened to me with dead space i got to a certain point where I, I saved the game. I was low on ammo. I couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. And I was in this one big room, and you got attacked by something that was very overpowered. And I just couldn't get past it. 
and I couldn't get into any area where I could get more weapons, and I just I never finished it because of that. I didn't want to start over. So, yeah, um, it, is, it is a first person shooter, right? Uh, you're behind the back. It's like no, it is not. Oh, okay. It's third person, so it's like Resident Evil Four, yeah, or two, you know, mm-hmm. or one, <laughs> um, or three, or three, yeah. <laughs> also five, or or. Code Veronica. Or so. Anyway, the last one on my list, uh, certainly really in no specific order are these for me, but Diablo. The original? Diablo, yes. Okay. Um, I can remember going to CompUSA and buying <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> having my my dad drive me down to Virginia Beach to pick that up, and I was absolutely hooked. That was my first experience with multiplayer the cinematics in that game, the game was done by Blizzard, so the cinematics at the time were absolutely groundbreaking. Um, and I can remember paying for a subscription service. I think it was like multiplayer.com. I didn't pay for it. My parents did. But to be able to play with other people, you know, eventually we had Battle.net and you could play through there. You didn't have to play with other people. But I hacked that game. I was what was called a PK. I would kill people. Um I had trainers on it. I was totally just an awful person in that game. But it was fun. It's still fun. And that's my five. And and who can forget the cow level? Yes. Oh, the cow level. With, with all the cows hilariously go, uh, going, moo, moo, no. moo, moo. Every time you killed them, right? No, when you killed them, they would go, moo. But it was like people just sat in front of a microphone and recorded them going, moo, moo. It was like so deadpan and just so like uninterested when they were going, moo, moo. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't believe the cow, the cow level wasn't in Diablo 1, uh, but it was in Diablo 2. Uh I'm going to get on that. I think it was Diablo. Gonna, while, while the research department works on that one, I'm going to jump in here. My five. The first one is the first horror game that I played, and that is Splatterhouse on the, was it the Neo Geo, I think? Okay. Neo Geo, Neo Geo. I think that's what it was. It was the, one of the old video game systems. It was one of the, I had a very bad habit of buying the video game systems that eventually went away. So, like, I was like, oh, this one looks good, and then it goes away, and I have to find a way to get, a, like, a... Super Nintendo or whatever was the actual system that everyone kept playing. Mm-hmm. So Splatterhouse was the was a game where you it was a side scroller and you were basically a kind of a hybrid between you were a good guy but you were a hybrid between Michael Myers because he was wearing a jumpsuit and Jason because he was wearing a hockey mask. Hockey mask. And you would walk through this kind of mansion and there was all these things that would attack you and you would if you you would hit them with a board at first then you get other weapons when you hit them with the board it would kind of like splatter on the wall or splatter on the camera and it was just gory and gross and there was a, a lot of um people all up in arms about this violent video game even though you were basically hitting just like brains and other just kind of body parts and stuff so that was my number five uh number four we've already talked about twice so house of the dead fun go into arcade mm-hmm. shoot stuff it's kind of cool yes of course Uh, Dead Space, again, already talked about it, so don't need to talk too much more about that one, uh, other than the fact that I did not finish it. Uh, Speaking of, there was another one that I was going to put on my list, but I didn't actually play it myself, so I kind of left it off, and that was um, Eternal Darkness, and that was going to be on there because it had that 
remarkably cool insanity meter or sanity meter where so the cool. more crazy crap that you saw, the more times you got hurt, the more times whatever weird crap would happen. So like rooms that you were in would you would end up stuck in like a never ending loop of the same room. There would be blood coming out of the walls if this insanity meter got too high. If you got it really high, the screen would make it look like if your Nintendo wasn't plugged in all the way and it was kind of like you know the the ver- v what is it the vertical hold thing would start like moving around and your your it would make it look like your system shut off so it would just mess with you which was awesome but because i didn't play it myself i didn't put it on there um silent hill i will tell a story in which silent hill almost got me to kill my dog <laughs> so i was playing very late at night i was sitting on the floor with my back against a coffee table and it was Silent Hill 4, I think, was when I was playing. And I was in a, a sane asylum with, of course, those faceless nurses that Rob talked about. And my camera screwed up and wasn't looking as I was in the corner of, like, a, a big square series of hallways. It was actually kind of a big squared-off figure eight, but I was in one of the corners. And you heard this, like, radio static meaning that these nurses were coming towards you. But the camera screwed up. So all I could see was myself. So, like, I was the point of view of the nurse coming towards me, but I didn't know where she was coming from, and I couldn't shift around because she was coming. So I was basically waiting until I saw anything on the screen, and I was going to light it up in the game. And my dog walked around the corner of the the coffee table and started sniffing my, my arm. So I'm sitting there on edge already, and my dog presses her cold, wet nose on my elbow, and I, and I freaked out and throttled her. I, like, basically put her in a chokehold. I was like, what the... And she, you know, she was good dog. She was looking at me like, what the hell are you doing, dude? (laughs) What is wrong with you, you psycho? Yeah. I was just telling you I have to go out. I'm going to go just pee on the carpet, okay? That's cool. (laughs) So I did feel bad, but that's how on edge that game had me. me. And uh, last but not least was Resident Evil 2. Not one of the first horror games I played, but it is the first one that actually ever startled me to the point of where I dropped a controller... And it wasn't even anything that freaks me out in general. It was the, the scene where you're in a sewer and you walk into a room and this alligator comes out of the sewer and it's like the size of a Buick. And this thing comes running towards me and I was like, oh, crap. And I yeah. had to take off down the hallway and it took me a while to figure out how to finally beat it. I think you had to do something with a fire extinguisher. But it was so unexpected that it startled me and made me jump. And it was just, a, again, really my introduction to like actual horror jump scare movie games so mm-hmm. resident evil would be resident evil 2 would be my first one nice yeah Did you find out resident any information evil 2. on diablo and the cow level it was diablo 2 diablo 2 yep okay yeah um resident evil 2 man i can remember being at a friend's house when i was like 13 or 14 years old and watching the opening cinematics where chris redfield crashes his car in raccoon city and the graphics blew my mind. The game, I was hooked on the liquor scene. Um, it was actually, the liquor was in the L-I-C-K- god-awful. <laughs> Not L-I-Q-U-O-R. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I'm glad you the, said it, because I the, was going to go there. The, the liquor was actually in the god-awful Resident Evil adaptation movie. Um, terrible. but Which one? Yeah, that game, all of them. I've seen uh, the game, them and I couldn't tell you what any of them were about. They're awful. But anyway, you know, continuing our, our tradition of horror, I guess those are our five you know, for I've, each of us. There's one thing that sticks out every time we talk about this kind of stuff, 
and it's it, it, this is old guy speak here, but every single one of us, whenever we talk about games or movies, we talk about seeing it with friends in the same room, laughing, joking, being scared, whatever. And I find that so weird when talk, we obviously Jimmy and I have the opportunity to talk to people that are of a different generation than us because we teach. Mm-hmm. And I find it very interesting that a lot of people they do all this stuff through headsets alone without that kind of camaraderie. And I think it's not sad, like depressing, but sad, like it's just a cool experience being able to like all be scared at the same time and not yeah. be doing it through a microphone and a headset. You know, because every single one of these games, it was like other than my dog, poor dog. But, like, most of these games, it was like, oh, we played it with our friends. We were trying to figure out... Being able to be there in the moment with your friends and not just kind of, like, casually on the phone. Yeah, or, like, trying to, you know, like, the thing with the alligator. It was like, we were there was a bunch of people in the room. We were playing. This thing happened. We actually had to figure, like, oh, why don't we why don't we try shooting this fire extinguisher? Why don't we try doing this? Why don't we try doing that? <laughs> and handing the remote, the control off to somebody to be like, hey, look, you, yes. you have better coordination than I do. You do this part. I'll do the other part, you know? And it's just a, it's that's one of the things that I think we go back to. Um, did we want to boil this down to one five or not? We haven't done that with the other. I don't ones. know that we can. We haven't played them all, so I I think you know. There, well, continuing I mean, there, on with October. There there are also a couple that are that are on like I mean like House of the Dead would have to be in the five because it's on all of our lists. Yeah, and Dead Space. Yeah, Dead Space. Resident Evil and Silent Hill. I mean, I th- Silent Hill. I think we could consider just the Resident Evil franchise and the Silent Hill franchise as as an entry. Yeah. Or if we're going that route, then I'd put up a Friday the Thirteenth game because that game scared the hell out of me and it was super hard. Yeah. Yeah. Jason would pop up every time it was just it was ridiculous. <laughs> so um, there's our five. <laughs> uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Silent Hill. Uh, Resident Evil. House of the Dead. And Dead Space. And Dead Space. Not in order. Yeah, there we go. Not in any order. Yep. Man, that so, was so much easier than the last couple of times we've done this. It's true. It was That's pretty true. easy. That's true. Well, it's because you weren't wrong this time. Because I wasn't wrong? Yeah. You and your Ninja Turtles. Well, actually, that was Jimmy yeah. holding a grudge. Okay, so. I'm never wrong. <laughs> except when it comes to Diablo and the cow level. Yes. Except for that. <laughs> yeah, you're never wrong, except for that thing that just happened seven minutes ago. Okay. So, do we have anything else that we'd like to talk about before we go? I think uh, that covers everything for this week. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Feel free to go on to iTunes and or whatever podcasting software you listen to us on and give us a rating and feel free to yell at Rob. (laughs) Please. Or Greg. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I'm hoping I can get you guys to Halloween Horror Nights one night this week. I'm going to have to see how much homework I have. Yes, but do not rem- remember I broke my ass. So Don't be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get that in before you did that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, we're going to edit that out. <laughs>